the Lord. Welcome to our Cross Time with Pastor Curtis every Friday morning at 9 a.m. We're here in the studio. If you live anywhere near Atlanta, Queen City, Texarkana, anywhere around this uh, area and you'd like to come and be a part of a Bible study uh, where we're learning the truth of God's Word, we're learning Christ in the Scriptures, uh, not just uh, many different things, but we're learning Christ in the Scriptures so that our focus can be Christ and we can grow in His knowledge and His grace. I welcome you to the studio, which is right here uh, behind Crossway Church every Friday morning, 9 o'clock. Come, doesn't matter what church you go to, just bring your Bible, your coffee, your pad and paper, and uh, let's just get in the Word together. Uh, we will be in 1 Timothy this morning, chapter 4. We'll begin in uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. And we'll try to close out uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 today. Not sure if we'll make it that far. It gets so good to us. We get held up sometimes. So uh, we're just uh, excited to be able to share God's Word with those of you who have ears to hear, those of you who have a burning desire to learn God's Word and to learn Christ and to walk with Him and trust Him in the midst of an evil, uh, wicked, uh, a very wicked society that we're in today. And uh, you and I are as uh, sheep among wolves. We are uh, here to present Christ, to let our light shine. And the more we learn of God's Word and the greater heart we have of submission to Christ, that we're going to be experiencing that. So uh, don't forget, you can watch or listen <coughs> in other avenues. Uh, right now we're streaming live on my Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. If that would be easier for you, if that's not where you are, or we're also streaming live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page where I daily, every morning, post scripture as it pertains to Christ and what he did at Calvary. And also I have a Curtis Hutchinson Facebook page. We also have a Spreaker account where it's all audio, but it's right now uh, streaming live right now on the audio uh, part of Sp the Spreaker app. And you can find my channel, Curtis Hutchinson, or uh, the name of our channel is For Those Who Have Ears to Hear. So uh, there's lots of gospel teaching out there. Uh, almost 15 years uh, we've been recording, preaching, teaching uh, this great message of the cross and we're excited uh, to be continuing to do that each and every day. And I just pray you would avail yourself to those areas where you can find the audio, the video, whichever one you like. Uh, we also have a church app for your smartphone. Crossway Church has an app. So avail yourself to those avenues. And uh, I know that you're praying for us. We're praying for you. And I know that uh, most of you that watch are supporting the ministry. And you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or your smartphone 903-231-5950. So let's get into the Word this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 10, but you know when you begin somewhere, you're always going to have to look back so you can see what brought you to where you're beginning today. So we'll read verse 10, <clears throat> and then we'll go from there. And I just believe the Lord's going to give us some light, some bread, uh, some uh, uh, direction, instruction. I believe the Lord's going to touch the hearts, the minds, and the bodies of those who are learning the Word of God, even in this session today. I believe we're stepping into a season of the ministry, uh, the, the, the miracle ministry of Jesus Christ. I believe it's gonna, uh, the miracles are going to begin to start taking place 
at an unprecedented rate. You remember that the ministers of righteousness walk with the power of God because the power is that of the righteousness of Christ. And so you don't forget that and you keep believing God for those things that you need. And this morning he's going to give us <clears throat> specific things that we need even in this session. I believe the church has gotten uh, uh, very lazy and slothful and think it really doesn't matter what they hear. It's just another Bible study, just another Bible verse. But I'm telling you, as the world grows darker and the church allows more of that darkness into the church, there will be spots of light shining. And that, that light shining is the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. And you're going to begin to see these ministers, even in the days ahead, raised up. Preachers of righteousness pointing to Christ and His righteous work at Calvary. And you're going to see the great exploits of our God in the days ahead. So let's just thank the Lord for that. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10, For therefore... And that means we'll have to back up and see what for here in just a moment. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So Jesus came to save all men. Note this, He is the Savior of all men. Whether they accept Him or not, He's God's only avenue of salvation, Jesus, and what He did at Calvary. There is none other avenue, none other name, none other way to be saved or to live saved or to have any of the grace of God for ministry or anything outside the way of the cross, the way of righteousness, which is the way of Christ. And so when he says, For therefore we labor and suffer reproach, let us look back starting in verse 8 and see what he's referring to. And we see in verse 8, he says, For bodily exercise profits little. That means don't make it your focus. It's all right to have that little uh, bodily exercise that there is a profit to that. Uh, uh, but you know the profit's not for you to be able to stand in the mirror and look at how beautiful you are and how how masculine and good you look and all that. that that's not the pro the profit is physical health and and so for bodily exercise profits little but godliness should be the focus is profitable unto all things. Think about that. Godliness, uh, the bodily exercise profits little, just that which pertains to the health of the body. But godliness is profitable unto all things. That means even the healthiness of the body, the marriage, the children raising, the, the, the e e godliness should play a part, will, if we're in the will of God, a part of every aspect of our lives. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations. That means it's a faithful saying and everybody that's a child of God should accept it as a worthy saying and receive it as reality and their way of life. That <clears throat> it's okay to go to the gym. God don't have a problem with that. But he wants you involved in godliness. And Peter wrote that we've received all things we need for life and godliness through the knowledge 
of Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. So <clears throat> when we get down to verse 10, that's why he says, For therefore, because we have access, we have the uh, availability and access to godliness that is profitable for now in this life to us and the life to come. So think about that. But you're going to, if, you're, if, if you want this godliness, if, if, I'm not talking about the way you choose it. I'm talking about the way the Bible chooses it. For you to come to God through faith in Christ and His work at Calvary, it's the only way anybody can come to God, whether you're lost or saved, is through faith in the blood. And when you, when you do, the Bible here says <clears throat> that... Because godliness is so important to the Christian, we're, we're, therefore we labor and suffer reproach. When godliness is what you're after, to please the Lord, not in your own way, but in the way of the Word of God, the way of righteousness, the way we surrender to Him, we labor with Him, means that we're going to suffer reproach for that, that way of life. And so you need to remember that. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And your, your, your enemies, your foes are going to be those in your own house. And you need, to, you need to remember that. There are many Jesuses being taught and being preached in some subtle, deceptive, deceitful way. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible, God's Son, doesn't say it's okay to live in sin. He doesn't say it's, it's okay to just have sin in your life. He came and died so you could be forgiven and delivered from your sin so that you could begin to live a godly life walking and laboring with Christ. Come on now. And you're going to suffer reproach. Now the devil don't care if everybody gets along. You probably never heard that, but you're hearing it now. The devil doesn't care if everybody gets along just as long as they're not trying to accept Christ, trying to walk with Christ and labor with Christ and getting along. Now that he don't like. He wants you to get along if you're doing it without the suffering, uh, if you're doing it without laboring with Christ. And you can. You can all get along and everything can be happy and everybody just uh, rocking along there real good. But then one person in that family comes back to the way of the cross and begins to share the message of the cross and that all these ways we've trusted in and all these things that are out there that are not of God, that's going to cause uh, no small stir in the family. And you, there's going to be that animosity and enmity now and division and friction among the families. And listen... That's just the way it is. Jesus said that's what was going to happen. He didn't come to bring peace. He, come, he came to bring a sword. And he said there's going to be problems between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. There's going to be big problems in our own house. Because when you're willing to take up your cross daily and follow Christ, instead of trying to please everybody and stop all the friction, listen... If you're living for Christ, there's going to be friction. There's going to be a reproach towards you. I was thinking this morning, if you want to be ignored on social media, there's three things you can talk about. You can talk about prayer. The church's fault. They'll shut the window on you when you talk about prayer. A call to prayer. We ain't got time for that. Now, oh, they sound so good to themselves in justifying why they don't pray, why they won't go to prayer. Uh, oh, they sound good to themselves, but they don't sound good to God. Uh, 
But you talk about prayer, they'll shut the window on you. You talk about giving of their finance, they'll shut the window on you. If you talk about all the warning that's going on in the Scriptures, which is only viewed by those who've come back to the cross, they see the warnings that are on every page, and nobody else sees that except those who are come back to the cross. And if you, those three things right there, if you begin to talk about them on social media, they'll shut the window on you. They, the church ain't got time for talking about giving of their money, of uh, taking their time to, to go to prayer, and, uh, and, 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 and all this stuff about warning. Why don't they just let everybody alone and let everybody just live in peace? That ain't peace. Never forget, uh, we're not called to keep peace. We're called to make peace. And Jesus made that peace, Colossians 1.20, by the blood of his cross. And when you're walking, laboring in the gospel, I didn't say going to church, my friend, because you, anybody can do that. <clears throat> but when you're laboring in the gospel, you're going to suffer the reproach of Christ in your life by those who are not willing to labor with Christ. That's who you're going to have to deal with. And, and you know, <clears throat> that's just the way it is. The church today doesn't want any friction, doesn't want any enmity. We just all need to love each other and all get along. And that'd be good if we could. And we got to love folk no matter what. But when you're, when you're laboring with Christ in the gospel and others alongside of you, there's going to be folk that just don't like that. They don't like that. They don't want to. They don't want to hear about it on your job. They don't want that. We're at work. We ain't got time for that spiritual stuff. And, <clears throat> well, that's because they don't want to hear about it even at home. I've never known anybody that wanted to hear about Christ uh, outside of the church that didn't want to hear about him on the job, like on the break, in break times, lunch times, and even when you're sitting there working, building something, somebody starts talking about the Lord. It's only those that are wanting to know about the Lord. I'm talking about Christians now, wanting to live for the Lord, grow in the knowledge of the Lord. If they don't want to hear it on their job, they don't want to hear it in church. They're at church for the wrong reason. I'm telling you, that's the church we have on the planet today at uh, 99.9 .9 times uh, out of 100. And I'm not being ugly, but he says, now we'll get, watch this now, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Folks who are not suffering reproach, I hate to say this, friends, you might disagree and shut the window on me, but I got a Bible right here. If you're trusting in the living God, I didn't say going to church and reading your Bible. I said trusting in Him. And I don't mean trusting in Him when you're at home alone. I mean trusting in Him when you're out among those who are not. You can't just, I mean, there's so many Christians today that nobody else in the whole world even knows they're a Christian, except those they go to church with. Don't nobody even know they're saved because when they get out among everybody, they act and look just like everybody else. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you how it is. Maybe instead of getting mad, somebody could get convicted and let the Lord deal with them and bring them out of that where they're not laboring. They're not really trusting in the Lord. And, and I'm not trusting in the Lord because I say I am. I'm, that's, uh, that's big in the church today. It's, it's something deceitful there. Well, we're just trusting in the Lord. What's that mean? How are you trusting in the Lord? How are you trusting in the Lord other than saying you're trusting in the Lord? Because saying you're trusting in the Lord doesn't mean you're trusting in the Lord. 
You're waiting on the Lord. You're believing in the Lord. You're trusting that what Christ did at Calvary is going to bring you the grace today by the Spirit of grace that you need today. And that's all you've got your trust in is Christ and His work at Calvary. And if that's not what we're trusting in, then we're not trusting in Christ or God. And so that's why we've been moved away from laboring. That's why we've been moved away from the reproach that is automatically going to be there if you're trusting in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things, Paul tells Timothy, these things command and teach. There ain't no encouragement and hope you get it. These are commands. Boy, don't talk. Oh, don't even use that word, preacher. We'll shut the window on you. Don't go to commanding anything. See, that's where the church is. Oh, we're not under law. You don't command us. I'm telling you, the preachers, we don't preach with question marks. God's men and women do not declare with question marks. We declare the word of God with exclamation marks and great joy. Hallelujah. If we're going to trust in the living God through faith in Christ who's the Savior of all men, there's going to be reproach because of this labor of love we're laboring in and because of the hatred for Jesus and His righteousness. Listen, let me tell you something, folks. If, if you are a Christian living the Christian life, I ain't talking about going to church and reading your Bible in prayer. I'm talking about living before men on your jobs, in the classroom, in the market. You are a living Christian. That's what you're known for. You're going to have tons of people. Tons of people don't want to be around you because that's not what they've chosen. They'll say they're a Christian. Now, I, listen, I'm speaking from experience. I, on both sides of the spectrum, I was a Christian, didn't want to be around none because I was living for me. Oh, yeah, I knew a few verses I'd throw in every once in a while, but I was living for me. So you've got to understand this, that God's Word is not options God gives His people. They're commands. You need to understand that. And, and those, those who are going to uh, trust the Lord are going to take pleasure in what He's done, what He said. We're going to have joy in being able to, by faith, trust in what God has said in His Word. Think about that. Uh, we, we not only encourage the people of God to go the right way, but rather are told to command them and to teach them. Command. Now see, that's unheard of in the church today. Preachers start throwing out commands to live God. Command, you know, uh, the people to walk in this way. They'll go find them somebody else that, you know, that the people can get together and hire a hireling. You know, he don't command nobody. He's the one under the command of the people. So that's out of God's will anyway, and that's all messed up and upside down. God ain't functioning in that. God's words are not options for the believer, but rather commands to obey. Think about that now. With love, and we have great pleasure, for we know the life of godliness and blessing is found there alone, walking in the experience of obedience. And I'm a big-time preacher of experience, the activity of the Holy Spirit through my faith and the activity of Jesus at Calvary brings the Holy Spirit's 
activeness in and through my life and the result is the manifestation of the truth which is a manifestation of godliness which will be uh, will bring a life uh, it will bring reproach unto me People won't like talking about Jesus in certain places. They, they, they don't, they, they've got their own belief. Well, we don't believe that. This is what we believe. And all this stuff. And they're they, they not living for Christ. They're living for these little portions of Scripture they've uh, put in their pocket. And this is what makes us who we are. And, and listen, it's all about Jesus or it ain't nothing about Jesus. That's the way it is. And Christians in this age we're living in, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. When the rapture takes place, there are going to be a lot of shocked people, man, who their lives have been about their church, their denomination, their preacher, their activities and their church groups and all these things that they've done. And, and their, their whole spiritual life has not been about Jesus. They just want to get along with everybody. Well, who don't? But if you're living for God, you're not going to be able to. You're going to be able to be gentle if you're led by the Spirit, but they're not going to be able to be gentle around you even if they have the Spirit of God, if they've opted out of godliness according to the Bible, there's going to be reproach coming from them to you. If you ever have thought about this, uh, you, you will know what I'm talking about. Those who are walking in the path of righteousness, led by the Spirit of God. He only leads in the path of righteousness. All persecution has ever come, all of it, all of it has come only through the avenue of those who are self-righteous. And there's a lot of that. That's 99% in the church today. How do I know? Because the only way of experiencing the righteousness that you actually are in Christ is if you maintain your faith in the sacrifice. The church knows nothing about the message of the cross as it pertains to daily living, for victory over sin, for godliness, for triumph, for ministry. They know nothing about the cross of Christ as it pertains to daily living, daily ministry, daily functioning. They don't. And if you don't know about the cross for daily living, then all you have is self-righteousness. Even though you're in church, in the Bible, and, and in prayer, it's it, self-righteousness self from your, 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 because of what you're doing. Remember at the great white throne judgment, Jesus said many are going to show up and say uh, there, and that's the, that's, the, that's the judgment for the lost people. Didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And they see, I call the great white throne judgment the judgment of the didn't I's. Didn't I do this and didn't I do that in your name? And Jesus is going to tell them, I don't know who you are, but I will let you know who you are. You're a worker of iniquity. Uh, and you need to understand that. So are you striving for godliness? Not according to the flesh, but through faith in the legal work of Jesus at Calvary so the Holy Spirit can work in you legally because of your faith in Christ and bring about the godliness that only He can bring about. 
You can't bring, I can't bring about godliness. That's of the flesh. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of grace has to bring about the godliness in my life. And when that is taking place, my friend, there's going to be people that don't like you. They don't, they don't want to talk. You're going to have graduated high school and on social media you'll notice they all still flock together of that same spirit. Uh, 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 where, no, I mean, but man, man if, you're, if you're living God, and you're sharing scripture and, and, and they don't really have anything to do with you. Now I'm not talking about everybody in your class or everybody on your job, but I'm talking about predominantly. Most people you know that claim to be Christian are not going to have anything to do with you. Nothing. Because they refuse to step into that place of letting their light shine. They've got it figured out and how they're going to do it. Not according to the Bible. They've got it figured out how they're going to let their light shine. In all reality, it has to take place by the Holy Spirit because of our faith in the Son of God and what He did at the cross as the Lamb of God. For that's the only way light shines. We're like the moon and the sun. Without the sun shining on the moon, you wouldn't even know it existed. And let me tell you something, unless Jesus Christ is shining on you through your faith in what he did at Calvary, nobody's even going to know you exist. So we need to repent today. We need to say, God, I'm sorry and God help me and I'm coming back to the cross. I'm coming back to the, the place where I want to serve you. I don't care what they think about me. Let me tell you this little thing I've told you before. A few years ago on my job, uh, it came up. Somebody brought up uh, the topic of uh, Mormonism. And I said, man, you know the Bible says that, 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 that this, and you know the Mormon. And they said, no, nope. this, this particular person said, no, nope, no, nope, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that in here. We're not, we're not going to talk about that. Because they had some very close relatives to them that were Mormons. They didn't even want to hear how they could not be right. They didn't want to hear it because, listen, their faith is in their relationships. They don't want to hear... Listen, think about it. If you know what's right, if you know what's right, and you don't care enough about the people to tell them that they're believing wrong and they're going to end up in hell then you don't even know what love is. And more than likely, if, if you are a Christian, you are far backslidden away from godliness and you're just trying to live up to the legacy of your last name and your, your family uh, heritage or uh, an upstanding citizen. But listen, to live a godly life is beyond all of that. It's to present Christ. It's, a, it's to present the truth of Christ with your lips and with the way you live. And if you're more concerned about keeping the peace and where there's no friction, then you've not really, you're not walking where you need to walk. And, and, and let me tell you something, there's going to be a price to pay for it. There's going to be a price to pay for it. So all we need to do today is again, Lord, I'm sorry that I've, I've put you and your truth on the back burner for the sake of relationships when you said you came to bring division. You came to bring the friction in our own homes that when I trust you, when I'm living, believing, trusting in you and others refuse to, there's going to be animosity. There's going to be friction. And you're the one who's doing it through my trusting you are you willing to for relationships to fall by the wayside because you love Jesus and you're trusting in Jesus 
If you're living for God, believing in the Lord, trusting in the living God, not some other something you're trusting in, calling it God that's dead, where there's no friction, that's good, you better hear me, where there's no friction taking place, you better wake up. You may be serving some God that's a dead God, not, not the God of the Bible, because when you're serving Him... That labor, because that's the same thing as serving him, labor. He said, therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach. You're going to have reproach on you. But you've got to choose, if you're a Christian, the reproach rather than the get along with everybody. Now, you've got to hear me today. Now, this is where they shut the window on you, all those who are not serving the living God. Not trusting in the living God. And, and I hate to say it's okay, but they get to choose to do that. And uh, so he, then he goes on to say uh, in verse 12, let no man despise your youth. He doesn't say don't despise the youth of others, although uh, we shouldn't do that either. But he says let no man despise your youth. See, this is more along the lines of directly to Timothy because he was a young minister and I'm sure he was catching some uh, ridicule, some, uh, some reproach for being young. And, and God today is raising up young ministers because you don't need all these years of uh, Bible college. You don't need all these years in degree. All you need is the truth of Christ and Him crucified and the baptism with the Holy Spirit for the work, the power of God to carry this gospel to the ends of the earth and God will use you whether you're young or whether you're older. We don't discriminate to, uh, against the old or the young and we also hear uh, the Bible says we're not going to let any man despise our youth. Now I'm not a youth any longer. I've been, youth's been gone from me for a while. But now, if I get around a certain group of people, I still feel youthful. Uh, I mean, somebody, you know, asked me one time, uh, how, was I old? I said, not compared to a mountain that's been here for a long time. But, but I'm no longer considered a youth. But there are ministers being raised up who are young and oh, for some reason older people uh, try to control the younger people. And uh, so uh, we also know that Paul taught Timothy and the church in Ephesus not to just throw a novice, somebody who's b barely been saved, into a position in ministry, a pastoral, a deacon or an elder in the ministry uh, because they're a novice and there's great temptation there to fall into the condemnation of the devil, the Bible says. So uh, we gotta, we got to watch that. But here he's telling Timothy, let no man despise your you. you. Let no man despise your youth, but be you an example of the believers. If we're, if we're an example of the believers, that right there is going to remove the despising of, of, of us if we're young in ministry. If we're young age, our youth, if we're young, just listen, showing our maturity among the believers will eventually remove that. And except by those who are just living in the flesh and they're not going to ever get out of the flesh and the church will always be full of those kind of people. But if you will uh, take the command of the Holy Spirit 
through Paul to you uh, to be an example of the believers. Notice he didn't say to the believers. He said be an example of the believers. The believers are living godly lives in Christ uh, through faith and the sacrifice and we're called uh, instead of uh, allowing them to despise our youth, show them that we're maturing like them. Be examples of the believers. Watch this list now. Be an example of the believers. Not that you're just always in the church when the doors are open, but that you are faithful here, he says. Uh, Be you an example of the believers in word. How you talk. The study of the word of God. How you talk. Uh, But but in word means the word of God. Because next he says in conversation. And we know that conversation means conduct, behavior, which a part of that is how you talk. Uh, Because uh, what comes out of the heart, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the word conversation always means beyond words. We say uh, the conversation speaks of words, but the Bible, the word in the Bible means behavior, conduct, the way you live, and it all goes together because how you live is a part of it. It's how you talk, how you treat people, and what's coming out of your mouth because that's what your heart is full of, and that's what Jesus taught. So, But he says, be you an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, which is love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. In, in, in love means as you see the believers loving, you love like they love. Let them be an example to you and you uh, begin to live like they're living as you're led by the spirit that they're led by. Because it's only one spirit that leads us all uh, into the same path for the fruit of the, spirits of, of the spirit of Christ. So, and when he says in spirit, that means that we are to be an example of the believers in spirit. That means the spirit we're of. You, you know, there are some who are of an uh, uh, obnoxious spirit. There are some who are, are of this kind of spirit. Jesus told the disciples when they said, Oh, do you want us to call, you know, uh, go ahead, call thunder down on them or something like that or lightning down on them? Jesus said, You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what spirit you're of. And so, but we're to be of the same spirit of believers. Paul taught that in Philippians chapter 1, that we're to have the same mind, one spirit, one mind, speaking the same thing, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There's that endeavoring. There's that laboring. Our labor is not something different in every church. and Ministries may be called and have different names, and they may even have different functions, but the spirit of the true ministry of Jesus Christ brings the people of God together to labor for the, the, the faith of the gospel. If it's feeding the hungry, that is a laboring together for the faith of the gospel and what the gospel does. Hallelujah. If it's the ministry of having an orphanage or a, 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 a Christian school, whatever it is, if the Lord's led you to do it, the striving there is to remain the same. We're to remain of one mind, one spirit, Speaking the same thing, striving together. That means laboring together for the faith of the gospel. 
Not to start getting distracted by all these details. No, whenever, whenever things begin to take place, we don't understand. They want to do it this way. They want to do it this way. We're to come together in the unity of the faith of Christ and realize the way it gets done needs to uh, take place through the direction of the Lord. And we need to, we need to maybe fast and pray together and we need to find the direction of the Lord and, and we can't just be selfish and prideful because and we won't be if we're striving for the faith of the gospel thank God he's not left us here to be confused and, and disoriented we can find the mind of the Lord the Bible says we have the mind of Christ so we have access to it we just have to humble ourselves and don't let anybody despise your youth or your old age, whatever it is. Uh, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And when you study all those out, that's just a life of godliness, which is what he's talking about here, that these things are beneficial in this life and the life to come. And so uh, it's very important that we, that we understand that, that our lives are to be lived out this way. This is not just an epistle written to Timothy. And I know it's called the, one of the pastoral epistles, and that's fine if you want to call it that. And I agree that it is that. But it was also to the church of that day. It's also to those who God has called to, to be ministers today and the churches today. We should all be striving for uh, to be an example in word, conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Is that what you're goal is today to be expressing Christ in these avenues. Don't let it go out of your mind. Don't let these things just be a Sunday morning message coming at you, a Wednesday night message and you, then you just go about your own way. No, those who are truly trusting in the living God are doing that every day and these are what we long to see. These are really the very result of striving together for the faith of the gospel. The, these things are the result of that. Purity and faith seen. Purity seen. Uh, love seen. Uh, uh, the word that you're learning seen, heard. Your lifestyle gentle uh, uh, among people uh, instead of always angry and being controversial. They're, it's like on social media. There are those people that their lives is their life is nothing but a controversy. They don't get on social media and, and share the gospel. They get on social media and, and just start stirring up stuff about all these other, other avenues. And, and you know who they are because that's, that's what they're known for. And you, my friend, my Christian friends, you're supposed to be known for your example of a believer. In word, in conversation, your lifestyle, your, 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 what you say, what you're involved in, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That means to teaching. Paul says, until I get there, and I'm coming, I'm planning on coming to see you, but until I come, give attendance to reading. This is what you're to do. Notice, this is what's being commanded and taught. 
to Timothy. And it's those who accept the Word of God in their ministry as the Word of God to them. Not just options. Well, I'll try this today and then tomorrow. No, we just get in the Word and, 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 and we read the Word. We study the Word. And then because of the Spirit of God in us and the study of the Word, we're able to exhort and to teach. Paul said he, he preached, he warned, and he taught. Don't forget that. He preached, he warned, and he taught. There was warning always with Paul's preaching and teaching because the, 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 the deceitfulness of, of to be found in that which is false but to think you're still right is so great today. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is death. That's written more than once in the book of Proverbs. You, you can be in a way using the Bible for that way and think you are in the way, think you are right, only to end up in death. And, 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 and it's not really talking about physical death. It's talking about separation from God. You can Listen, deception is so powerful, you can really believe that you're in fellowship with God today and you're not in fellowship with the one true living God. You're just, there's so, as I said early on, there's so many Jesuses being preached and taught. Paul said that. They will preach another gospel, another Jesus by another spirit. If you're not trusting Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what He did for you at Calvary, I'm not asking you, is that what you trusted yesterday or years ago? I'm is that what you're depending on today to get through this day? What Jesus did, he, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He, he became the author and the finisher of our faith. Enduring the cross for the joy that was set before him. And listen, if, if you're not trusting in that alone... You're not trusting in the God of the Bible. You may want to, know you need to. You may really thought you have been. But to trust in the living, the one true living God, you've got to trust in Christ. And the only way you can trust in Christ is if you're trusting in the work He provided for you at Calvary. Now this will cause most of what's Christianity today to shut the windows on the preachers of righteousness and say they're just too hard, that's just too narrow. But Jesus said it'd be so narrow, most not going to come. They're not going to submit to it. They're not going to find it because they still think they can serve God their own way. That is just that, their own way. You need to think about these things, my friend, because when you reach the judgment, whichever one that is, there will be no excuses. You may, you may spout them out, but as you bow those knees and confess with that tongue that Jesus is Lord, that listen, excuses are not going to be taken. They're not going to be accepted. And if they're not going to be accepted then, they're not being accepted now. Think about this. There's going to be a lot of anger. It's when we preach the truth and command and teach, as Paul told Timothy to do in the church in Ephesus, that reproach is going to come. Reproach is going to come. All they want to talk about is the blood, the cross. That's all they think the Bible's about. The question is, my friend, what do you think the Bible is about? Because Jesus said it was about Him. The Scriptures are about Jesus. And if all things are from Him, for Him, by Him, through Him, and will return to Him, 
We better wake up. And the only way, let me say it again this morning for somebody's watching today that needs to hear this. The only way you can serve the one true living God is by serving His Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way you can serve His Son, Jesus Christ, is by believing with your heart unto the righteous work He did for you at Calvary to take away your sin and to grant you His righteousness. Then you become a servant of righteousness. Romans 6 tells us that. We become servants of God because He made us a servant of righteousness. And it's only as we serve righteousness through faith in what made us righteous that we're serving God. Outside of that, we're not serving the one true living God. If you've been missing the power of God in your life, come back to Calvary. Guaranteed promise. It's as concrete as that which you walk on outside. God will begin to move in your life again. That's why those that come back to the cross have the same testimony. I feel like I'm born again all over again. Why is that? Because you come back to the place of experiential life where you are now once again serving the one true God. You are living for Him, serving Him, trusting in Him. And make no mistake, reproach is coming. Reproach is coming. We experience it all the time. People send ugly emails, talk, say horrible things about the ministry. And, and listen, there's going to be reproach there even from those in your own family. And I want to say this this morning. There are families, Christian families, who have been uh, cowered down and broken down because the, the leader in that family. How many of you know there's always a leader in every family? There's always that, that strong-spirited, that strong-willed uh, daughter or son, whatever the case may be, who's really leading that family. Now, I'm not talking about in spiritual things, in Christianity. I'm talking about they're just leading the family. It's good when they're saved and they're living in, in Christ and serving the one true living God when that happens to those kind of people. But if that doesn't happen to them and they're the strong leader of the family, strong-willed, strong leadership abilities, but they're not serving God. Listen, the other family members are not to continue to follow that strong one who we've always kind of followed his or her direct. We've always kind of went the way they direct. They direct. We've always kind of just agreed with them. And, and they, they, they've really been the strong one. You better watch. You better be careful with that. Because when you start trusting in the one true living God, when that strong person who's led that family is not trusting God, there's going to be animosity there. You can't just keep following their leading. Now you have to follow the leading of the Lord. And when you start doing that, instead of following them, all the Thanksgiving dinners and the Christmas dinners, they change now. Because listen, until that person submits to Christ... They're not going to like it anymore that you're not submissive to their leading. You've, man, you've kind of followed me all my life. You've let me direct and we've, we've got along pretty good. But when you stop following that person and you start now following Christ, there's going to be problems in the house. Jesus said he brought that. He brought that. He allowed you to be His, to trust in Him. And when you do and they don't, going to be big problems. I know families right now that's taking place. And Christian, you are not 
to keep allowing that stronger personality in that family to lead and guide you. You're to break away from that and go the way of Christ. And you can if you're still following that person who's not following Christ. Somebody said amen or I'm shutting the window on that old man. Amen, Brother Curtis. So, the command here is not that we should not despise the youth of others, although we shouldn't, but that we do not allow others to despise our youth to, to a place where we're hindered by it. A lot of times a young minister called by God, there will be so much reproach there from older people uh, who are not really... Uh, walking in that which they should be walking in themselves and there will be such pressure, stress and, 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 and if he, he's not careful he will let that reproach, that stress, that oppression coming from Christians drive him right out of the ministry or postpone and put off years what he should have been walking in all along. You've got to be careful about that. The minister that isn't driven by the Spirit to study the Word for his own person and also the exhortation of the body of Christ probably isn't called to the fivefold ministry. I need to say that again. Ministers that are called by God to stand in the fivefold ministry are driven by the Spirit. They have a love and a desire for the Word of God to learn it, to study it, to read it, can't get enough of it. There's nothing else that they have a greater desire for in this world in ministry that, that is what I'm talking about. I mean, you, you may like to ride motorcycles. You may like to, I've got a little wood shop at the house, but I'd rather be in the world. That wood shop is not my greatest desire and I also uh, desire to be in the Word when I have to and all that for the sake of me. No, no, no. No, the wood shop is when there's free time, which is not much, and my greatest desire is what God put in me in 1994 to learn the Word, to study the Word, to hear the Word every day, hold the Holy Spirit teaching me the truth of God's Word. That desire, that's the fivefold ministry. If your life, my life is supposed to be set aside for prayer and study of the Word, we need to make sure that's what's happening. Now let me say this, I'm not being ugly, but there's a lot of fellas in ministry today who just, from the time they were little old bitty tots, that was just declared to them, spoke over them and just declare you're going to be a man of God, you're going to pastor you're going to do all these things and listen if that's what you hear all your life whether God's called you or not more than likely you're going to step into that and if you're not careful if you're trying to please people instead of God you're going to operate in something and you're going to struggle, you're going to be oppressed your whole life, you're going to work for uh, you're just going to work for everything instead of letting it be a labor of love a labor of the Holy Spirit through you and there's a lot of people in ministry Ministry, and I'm talking about pastoral uh, uh, pastor positions and that shouldn't even be there. They should be out uh, making money to support the church. They should be doing all these other things that they really, their hearts are really given to. They want it. And listen, I'm not being ugly. I'm just being real. What is it that our hearts desire to do more than anything? We need to take a step back and look at that. I mean, because God puts those desires in us and we need to pay attention to what they are. And it's, it, listen, if God's called you to be a welder, 
a truck driver, a housewife, a school teacher, whatever he's called you to be, then there will be a great desire for that, a great joy for that, and you will get into that. You will, you will uh, give yourself to that. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about put your faith in it. I'm talking about give yourself to that, learning of that, being uh, driven in that avenue where God's called you. And the fivefold ministers, they're, they're that way too. And if they're not, they, they're, they've either been distracted by the world or they're not called and they need to repent. I'm telling you, uh, well, I know what you're saying. Even the fivefold ministers don't wake up every day with, with a strong desire to get in the Word. You're right. You're right because we live in a flesh body. But I'm telling you, it's there. And if we'll just seek God, it'll take over. It will take over. There's that burning desire. We got too many preachers getting in the pulpit, putting on a show, saying, I got a fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. But listen, if you got a fire shut up in your bones, that's the Word of God being ministered to you by the Spirit of God. And it can't do nothing but come out of you. Hallelujah. Not just talking about you got a fire shut up in your bones. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's that flaming sword that'll come out of your mouth. Hallelujah. The Word of God and commandments and teachings and preaching. Hallelujah. So you need to take hold of what you're hearing today. Glory to God. Are you studying the Word? Preacher, are you still studying the Word? Are you just getting up and talking, uh, talking and talking and talking, psychology? Are you studying the Word to give the people a Word? Paul told Timothy, till I get there, read and exhort and teach doctrine. Come on now. I, you know, are we studying for our own selves? We better be. Are we studying for what God wants to give the people that He set us uh, there as pastor under shepherds for? We better be. And then when we get up, we better just deliver that. Amen? Come on now. This is, this is what... This is what folk don't like. Folk don't like being told anything. And this, these are not options. This is God through Paul telling us some stuff, commanding us some stuff. So I've been asked by certain ministers about other ministers. Are they still studying? Well, why would they ask that? Because they're watching on social media and they're like, man, are they still studying? Because let me tell you something, preachers. When you're studying, you got a word ready. I don't care if, it's, if you've got a, a job out there. You're working 40 hours. Man, you, that's what's burning in your heart. I remember working secularly the first 12 years of this church uh, until I retired from that job. Break time was a book or a Bible. Lunch time was a book or the Bible about spiritual thing. Growing, learning, a fire to learn. Can't get enough. It was more important. I, if I've got to eat, but I, a sandwich is going to be in one hand and what I'm studying is going to be right there before me. We need to understand this. The people of God that God has put under you, they need a word and they need it through you preacher because you're the one gifted and called to be in that spot and we don't need to just get up and ramble we need to get up and give them what God gave us to give them hallelujah and what that is is, 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 the, is the gospel because that's the only message that removes fear, dismay and lack in Jeremiah chapter 4 uh, I believe it is 
423 or 23-4. Write it down. You go look it up. But it says, God says, I'll set shepherds among my people and what they feed my people will remove fear, dismay, and lack. Well, there ain't but one message removes all that and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So study for yourself. Study for the people God put under you and be ready to deliver that word. If it's once a week, twice a week, five times a week, God is going to give you what the people need that he put you with. Amen, Brother Curtis. He says, uh, uh, well, let me read my note here. One of the minister's greatest desires is to study, learn, and to share God's word. You will always be able to see the difference between those who do and those who don't. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14 today, the Bible says, Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Paul would more than once remind Timothy of the gift he had and that he needed to stir that gift up. That's what we're talking about this morning. Maybe you're listening to me and you've, you've kind of think hindrances have taken place. You, you've been distracted. Well, that don't mean you're out and you're, and, and you're really not called. If God's called you, that can happen to us and it does. But you need to stir that gift up. You need to be reminded, and Paul's doing that here to Timothy, that you received that gift through prophecy. That gift... Uh, uh, and, and, and Timothy bear witness when that word of prophecy came to him and, the, and the, pres the church leaders, the elders, the presbytery that it's called here recognized he did have that gift and guess what? Timothy bear witness with that gift within him and they just, it was a word of prophecy that come to Timothy and it was a word of prophecy again I've got to keep saying this he bear witness with it he was in agreement with it, something he felt God was calling him into. And, and the other people recognized it as well, laid hands on him, which is, was known in the early church and still should be today when men and women go into ministry that there's an agreement. We're praying for you. We see that calling uh, that you're in agreement that God has called you to and a, a word of uh, prophecy came forward. And that's what Paul's reminding Timothy here. Because when we're reminded that God called us, a word of prophecy came forth to confirm what I was already feeling in my spirit. And then others saw it too and laid hands on me and believed God. And then a door opened for me to step in, like, like Paul leaving uh, Timothy in Ephesus. Then if we're remembering that, we should be encouraged and stir that gift up. And apparently Timothy had received his gift through a prophetic word sometime before which he bore witness to. And the elders laid hands on him recognizing the gift <coughs> in him as well. And the next place we can read this uh, about the same uh, thing he's talking about here is 2 Timothy 1.6 where Paul tells him in this next letter, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. That doesn't mean that, that Paul the apostle imparted a gift to him. Men can't give each other gifts. That takes place by the Holy Spirit. It means, and we saw it, that it came through prophecy, 1 Timothy 4.14, but Paul laid hands on him when that prophecy came, and it might have been by Paul or somebody else in the meeting. Timothy bear witness with that. The Presbytery, they agreed with it. Paul is just simply reminding Timothy, although you're young, God called you. 
Don't let any despi any, anybody despise your youth. Be an example of a believer among those that are believers. Amen. Don't, don't give them a reason to despise you. If they're just despising you because you're young, show them that you may be young, but, but you're in the Word. You're, you're, you're walking in love, in, in spirit, in those things. He says in 1 Timothy 4.15, the next verse, he tells Timothy, meditate upon these things. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. So think about that. Take heed unto yourself, verse 16, and unto the doctrine continue in them. Let me read that again. Take heed unto yourself. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that fear you. Now we know that, that, that hear thee, not fear thee, uh, you, you, for in doing this, now this, this, this goes against uh, those people that say we don't have to do anything. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have to live the life you've been given in Christ. You didn't work for it, but the work begins when you're in Him. Hallelujah. You don't work your way into heaven, but you do work your way through this life being led by the Holy Spirit. And listen, Paul the apostle, the one God gave the revelation of the cross to, that you're saved by faith, not by works, lest we should boast about it. He says here, For in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. So take heed unto your own person and unto the doctrine for the furtherance of others in Christ. What does Paul mean by save yourself since God's the only one that can say? Well, that, that's obvious, isn't it? That means we have to find the avenue where God does work and God does move through us. And it's not just anything we pick and choose. What does Paul mean by save yourself and them that hear you since God's the only one that can save? Philippians 2.12, and I'm so close to finishing, I'm going to finish even if we go a couple minutes over. Philippians 2 and 12 uh, brings controversy to those who aren't walking in the way of the cross where Paul says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, that means had faith in the cross, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the verse right there with that, when you go look at it, says it's God working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It means coming to the conclusion that Jesus finished the work and I'm trusting in His finished work and my conclusion of that, my faith and trust in that now allows me to be in agreement with Him, walk with Him, trust in Him, and that's how we work out what He has worked in. We all, we all are called to works, Ephesians 2.10. Write it down. Look at it. You'll be blessed. But also in James 5.19 and 20, he says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him. You mean you can convert somebody? Yeah, if you got the gospel. Let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now see, it sounds like you have the power to save. But God's the only one that can save. But He's given you the message that brings salvation. 
So that's what you that's the only thing that can deliver a sinner from the air of his way if you're willing to live the Christian life and present what made you a Christian, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That converts the sinner and hides, covers a multitude of sins. That means washes them away. Hallelujah. That's good news. The last one this morning, uh, Jude, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 23, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now this is talking about saved people. Because they're the only ones that can have a garment spotted by the flesh. A garment of righteousness they've been given. Uh, So we pull them out of the fire with fear. We do that through the gospel, through the truth. Remember, uh, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 24 through 26, that we're to be gentle and out to teach uh, so that others can acknowledge the truth and then God grants them repentance and they can be delivered from the snares of the devil. But see, it's, they're delivered from the snares of the devil through our simply being gentle with them and delivering them the truth. Because without the truth, there can be no true repentance. It takes the truth, an acknowledgement of the truth, for God to give us repentance. And that is found through faith in Christ, His work at Calvary, and we can walk in that. So it's been a great session today. I've went a little bit over, but that's all right. And uh, we love you. We're praying for you, and I know you're doing that for us too. Follow us each and every Friday morning on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. Help us broadcast these, share these, because people need to be set free from the bondages of oppression and being stressed because they simply don't know the truth of God's Word. So don't forget to give to this good ground and God will pour out upon you. And you can do that at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can pull out your smartphone right now and text your giving to 903-231-5950. We love you. God richly bless you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.